Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Amanda Radke, and this is the third episode of a new podcast called The Heart of Rural America. I'm so happy you're here. If you haven't tuned in to episode one and two yet, give them a listen and let me know what you think. I have been told that I can bring a certain level of intensity into a room, and you guys probably got a little taste of that in episode one and two. Uh, So today, we're going to lighten things up just a tick. And talk about another passion project of mine, which is promoting agriculture literacy in schools. I know if you are a parent, right now is probably a busy, chaotic time in your world. It is the last remaining weeks of summer, and you're trying to squeeze in all of the things. And with that, um, it's a lot of running, a lot of laundry, a lot of sleepless nights and exhaustion trying to get it all done. It's county and state fair season. It is like the Super Bowl of showing livestock, of showing cattle. It's the culmination of all your hard work coming together for these final shows with these animals that you've been working with all year long. And sometimes I don't know if you think like, man, is this all worth it? I'm here to tell you it's so worth it. I um, I've seen in my own kids, it's my daughter's first year in 4-H and She's gotten to try public speaking and livestock judging. She's gotten to show her first junior nationals and she got to do egg sales talk. And her little brothers are following suit and learning alongside of her. And man, it just teaches so many life skills from responsibility and hard work and putting something else before yourself, getting up every morning and washing and getting those cattle in the barn, brushing, blowing, leading lessons all of the things. It's such a commitment. And it's one of those sports where you can still do it together as a family. It's one of the few sports out there that exist where mom and dad are heavily involved and the whole crew is out there in the practice field, in the barn, doing the work together. Or at least that's how it should be in my world. So this is it. If if that's your season right now, I want to wish you the best of luck. As you create these memories and teach your kids some new life skills, get them to try new things, uh, teach them how to win and lose gracefully and how to make friends and present their animal and feed their animal. And it's just such a great experience for kids as long as us parents keep our egos out of it and just let it be the learning tool that it absolutely is. So with that, you know, I'm very passionate about being a mom. I'm a mom of four. I have four kids, ages nine, seven, 
six and five, it is my calling in life to raise these four little ones up and get them ready for this world that we live in and, and the challenges that come with it. And I truly believe there's no better setting on planet Earth to raise children than in production agriculture. You know, I had someone comment on one of my posts, you know, telling me that I was a bad mom or something. And I get stuff like that all the time. It really doesn't bother me. And in fact, I kind of laughed because, you know, I make sure my kids are in the front row at church on Sundays and they help us with chores and we clean the house together and do laundry together. And we're a team. I mean, we focus on, it's a rad key team and the house, the cattle, all of it requires teamwork and us sticking together to get the job done. And I don't know, I guess we'll see if my kids suck when they're old or not. It's, it's an experiment. You don't know until it's too late. Right. But I feel like we have the foundation and I, I feel very strongly that, you know, not only are we raising cattle, but these cattle are helping to raise our kids too. And so on that particular comment where the lady told me I was a bad mom, I shared a video with her comment of, my boys throwing square bales. Now, if you've ever thrown square bales, you know exactly what that's like. We put up square bales for use in the winter months for calving season to take to our calving barns to, you know, drag through the snow if you need to, to take to cattle shows, to take to stock shows. So we put up a good number of square bales every year. And it never fails that square bale day is on the hottest, no wind, just blatantly, cruelly hottest days of the summer. So you're sweating your butt off, but you have to wear long sleeve and long pants because you can't scratch up your arms and legs while you're throwing these bales. The bugs are out, you're sweating, everybody's crabby. But you know what? Some of my favorite memories are from throwing square bales with my mom and dad and my sisters. And just how goofy we would get stacking those bales and unstacking. And it was always a late night, you know, still working in the dark to try to unload the wagon and get everything uh, stacked up in the barn. So it's kind of fun to see your kids do that and, and follow a multi-generation tradition and, and get to learn too. And it's like I watched my little boys just grow up into these men right before my eyes where they're like, mom, we got this. And they're tugging with all their might. Remember, they're seven, six, and five. So these bills pretty much way more than they do. But man, they were going to manhandle the situation. and They got this. And I feel like if our kids are allowed to, if we get out of their way, they're allowed to rise to the occasion. They're able to do hard things that can be dangerous, but with safety and supervision in mind, they can learn these life skills and learn the circle of life and be part of something bigger than themselves. And no matter where life takes them, it will help them in their professional careers and their family life because they'll know how to wake up, respect something, work hard for something, show up for something, get the job done no matter what even if you're uncomfortable and hot and sweaty, or even if you're cold and it's the dead of winter and you're out there freezing your butt off, they know they've got a job to do to take care of their, these animals, to be a steward of these livestock. And so I'm just grateful to raise kids in this life. But you know, not every kid gets this opportunity. Not every kid is blessed to live in rural America and get to grow up in production agriculture and get to see that circle of life firsthand and get to grow a crop and plant a seed and see new life and all of the things 
that are mundane to us, but they're amazing to people outside of our world. If we only give them a window to take a look at what we do and who we are and where we stand in life and what we're working so hard towards. And that's why I found the value of social media is in opening up our lives and being transparent and authentic people genuinely want to learn more about where their food comes from. And most people genuinely love talking to a farmer and rancher and asking them questions. And so that's what's really neat about social media is it opens up these pathways to be able to connect people and bring them back to their agricultural roots that they might have had a grandparent or great grandparent involved in agriculture and now all the kids are gone and and they they don't get to be a part of that way of life but they they cherish those memories and wish that their kids could be exposed to that stuff too like like they were able to growing up that's what's so special about agriculture is it's just waiting to invite people in to give them that experience and once people feel like they're closer to the earth like they get their hands dirty in the soil and they they see this newborn calf born it's hard to fall prey to the propaganda that exists out there, but we first have to invite people to the conversation. And that's my passion. That's uh, what I love to do with my children's books. I have eight books out. I have an eight book set available at amandaradke.com and they're beautifully illustrated by Western artist, Michelle Weber. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to tell you about these books, the titles, the goals of these stories, and some fun stories that I've experienced in going to the classroom and libraries along the way. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew, and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com an online stud service that features some of our clients' top-performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. you're here today. And today we're talking about something a little lighter, uh, something that I think anybody who loves agriculture, any farmer and rancher can get involved in. And that's teaching the next generation about where their food comes from. And the easiest way to do that is to get books that are accurate about agriculture and read them to kids. That could be in a classroom setting or at a summer library program, or having your grandkids that live in the city, sit on your lap and read a story. There's great resources that exist out there today from um, National Farm Bureau Federation to National Ag in the Classroom. But in my own world, I have a set of books that I think do a great job of teaching kids about where their food comes from. Uh, they're beautifully illustrated by Western artist Michelle Weber, as I've mentioned, and they're all accurate about agriculture, meaning the animals don't have the full range of emotions. We are highlighting 
the farmers and ranchers who are stewards of the land and livestock and provide us with the essentials of life. So how did I get started in writing children's books? A lot of people ask me this. And so I thought in today's show, I would take a moment to share a little bit about how I became an author. So it all started, and it's a good reminder that you just never know what seeds you're planting. But when I was in kindergarten, first grade, our veterinarian's wife, Jean Patrick, came into my classroom and she wrote books. She wrote books about baseball and Babe Ruth and Mount Rushmore. And she came in to talk to our class about being an author. And like a lot of little kids, you know, learning how to read, I thought being an author was like, whoa, I mean, the coolest thing ever. And I remember thinking at that time, when I grow up, I want to become an author. And fast forward to adulthood, it was probably still on my bucket list. In fact, you guys will laugh, but I wrote and it's never going to be released. But the first book I ever wrote was going to be a Western romance novel. Yes, you heard that right. Like I said, I can't even open it now. It's probably so cringe that I just I just can't. It was a Christian Western romance novel. And that's what I thought was going to be my genre. And thankfully, the Lord pointed me in a different direction. Because, <laughs> because I'm sure the story was immensely cheesy. And I think children's books better fit my uh, season of life that I'm in raising these four kids. But uh, I just have to laugh because sometimes you make plans and things don't work out as you intended. And that's okay. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship. And it's, it's the beauty of life. You just never know the journey you're going to take. And so it was 2011. And, you know, about that time, there was a movie that had come out called Barnyard. And Barnyard, if you guys remember it, you know, it was so popular. Families with kids of all ages, they flocked to the movie theaters to watch this farm story where the main character was a bull who walked on his back legs, had an udder, he spoke perfectly, um, you know, he, he was a dude with an udder. Like, there's a lot going on in the movie, <laughs> multiple agendas maybe, but uh, what frustrated me was just the misconceptions about agriculture that were being planted with that movie. Meaning to me, you know, the the cow was the main character and the farmer and the rancher in the movie were the side characters that were deemed as dumb and cruel and, and, and just to be overlooked that animals shouldn't even be owned by people. And of course the anti-agriculture propaganda was heavily laced throughout the entire movie. And this frustrated me. And it's what propelled me to begin writing agriculturally accurate books for kids Stories that would celebrate and highlight everyday heroes in rural America who provide us with the essentials of life, food, fiber, and energy. I knew I wanted to write stories that showcased the great people in rural America that I knew and loved. And inspired by my own childhood growing up on a South Dakota cattle ranch, the idea for my first story, Levi's Lost Calf, was born. It is set on a ranch in South Dakota during fall roundup. And as you can imagine, there's a missing heifer calf and Levi, the ranch kid, has to go find the missing calf. And along the way, he discovers that the ranch haunts of wildlife, which plays into the theme of environmental stewardship and protecting wildlife habitat, but that our cattle ranch is home to all these wildlife and we're stewards for all of them as well. And in the book, there's a recipe and beautiful illustrations. And once that book released, I thought it was like a bucket item list that, okay, I wrote a book, move it along. Like I don't need to do anymore. This was just something I wanted to do one time and now I did it. And 
that's that's that. Well, fast forward to 2019, and Michelle and I got a call from the Georgia Beef Board, and they had ordered a bunch of farm-themed books off Amazon, one of them being Levi's Lost Calf. Levi's Lost Calf was their favorite of all the books, and they called and they said, hey, we would like a book similar to this. We would like you to do it for our, our beef programming um, because we want to go into classrooms and teach kids about the Georgia beef industry. Would you be interested? And so that's how our publishing house, Egg Storytellers, was born. We now work with third-party clients to tell their agricultural stories. And so we've worked with many types of organizations, but the Georgia Beef Board kind of got the ball rolling. And the story that we produced and published for them was titled Can Do Cow Kids. And Can Do Cow Kids is all about highlighting careers in agriculture because not every kid is going to become a farmer or rancher, but they could become a veterinarian, a nutritionist, an agronomist, a food scientist, and the list of jobs and careers in agriculture is endless. And so it's our invitation to young people to get involved in the agriculture space and explore these potential careers that are very rewarding and fulfilling and to become part of our food supply and our food story in the process. And so once Can Do Cow Kids came out, pretty soon we got a call from the peanut growers in Georgia. Now, I've never been to a peanut farm. I have certainly never seen a peanut plant before. I had no idea what a peanut plant looked like or how it was grown. And it was a humbling experience as I realized, you know, so often we expect people to fully understand and grasp what we do in production agriculture. You know, if we see them at church or at school functions or at the grocery store, like, of course, they should know what baling hay is or what combining corn is. Like, how could they not? It's all around them. And yet, if you're not exposed to it on a daily basis, if that's not part of your life, you're not necessarily going to know what's going on in these fields in the country that you drive by going 65 miles an hour, South Dakota, 70, 80, but you know. And so for me, that, that was the feeling I got with the peanut book as I tried to write the peanut book, which ended up the story is called A Home Run for Peanuts. It has a baseball theme and it takes the reader through planting, harvest, and going to the processing plant and then what happens to those peanuts to become things like peanut butter that kids enjoy. And so it was a humbling experience that I didn't know everything about agriculture outside of my own sectors that I'm passionate about. And so we need to do a better job of telling our stories because we just can't assume that everybody knows what we're doing in agriculture. And so now we have three books. We have Levi's Lost Calf, Can Do Cow Kids, and A Home Run for Peanuts. And I'm thinking, surely this is going to slow down. But then we get another call and another call. And now I, I joke that Michelle and I are going to be writing books until we're little old ladies because there's so many stories about agriculture that need and deserve to be told. And so you guys can check out my books at amandaradke.com. You know, now is a great time to also share a discount code. If you have been listening to this podcast, I'd like to give you a special discount code that's exclusive for listeners. So that code to shop is going to be Heart of Roll America, no space, no caps, just Heart of Roll America 15 for 15% off site-wide as my gift to you 
for tuning into the show and be a, being a part of this program, this community, and these conversations that I hope to have with all of you. And when we get back, we're going to run through the rest of my book titles and some of the impacts that we have had taking these books across the country into schools and libraries. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high-quality beef in the white tablecloth space, Meats by Lynn's is a four-generation family-owned business. The Lynn's Heritage Angus program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product, a focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle, allows Fred Linz and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at LinzHeritageAngus.com and shop for beef at ShopLinz.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. Now let's get back to the show. Today we're talking about promoting ag literacy in schools. And why this is so important to me is because of a few reasons. It's because today's kids are so far removed from the family farm that they don't know where their food comes from. We have publications like Scholastic that send monthly magazines to every elementary school in the country and tell kids that in order to save the planet, they have to skip the cheeseburger. It's because we have groups like the Humane Society of the United States and PETA. These are animal rights extremists who have found a loophole in some of the character building uh, curriculum or agendas or priorities in the public school system that they've been able to insert their own kindness to animals curriculum into many classes across the country, which of course promotes the animal rights movement and the perception that we should not be able to own animals in this country, that they should be their own citizens. As crazy as that sounds, it is ultimately chipping away at our private property rights, which anything I talk about on that sh this show, you should know that for me, it really does boil down to private property rights and maintaining those pri private property rights, whether that means owning land or owning livestock or doing what you see fit with the things that you own and pay taxes on. And that's what these environmental and animal rights extremists are ultimately doing. It isn't about the cows and it isn't about the natural resources. It is about the control of the citizens. And once they can control the land, they can control the food and they can control the people. And so with that in mind, if they are able to infiltrate our schools and place these agendas into the classroom, into the curriculum, into the rhetoric, you see it in, in Disney movies and Netflix movies for the kids all the time. I can't even let my kids watch these shows anymore because there are so many agendas in these new cartoons. I mean, my kids are limited nowadays to watching Little House on the Prairie, basically maybe Gunsmoke, I don't know, old Westerns with their dad. And, you know, I'm just fine with it because it brings me back to my childhood too. But I just have seen too many of these agendas that are scaring kids that, you know, they shouldn't even be alive because they're taking up natural resources. And to me, once again, it goes against my thoughts and views that 
you know, we need to worship the creator and not the creation. And that we cannot be so arrogant to think that skipping a cheeseburger is going to save the planet when the truth is the American beef industry contributes less than three and a half percent total greenhouse gases. And if every American were to go meatless on Mondays, it would reduce our carbon footprint by 0.26%. And if you've heard me say that before on this show, good job paying attention. But it's a fact that I like to share because it highlights just the absurdity of this focus of putting the target on the cow's back. And so that brings me back to the books that we've published in 2020 and beyond. The next book that came out was titled The Soil Quilt. That was done in collaboration with the South Dakota Soil Health Coalition. We uh, worked with them to highlight the five principles of soil health that can be used to improve the lands and the things that we've learned over time compared to when the dirty 30s hit and there was starvation in this country then. And uh, spoiler alert, one of the five principles of soil health includes having cattle graze the land. Yay. And so that was a fun one to write. The quilt metaphor, we use it to say that our soil is like a blanket, just like a blanket that we would sleep with, that a kid would sleep with. And so this soil blankets the earth and protects, you know, the micronutrients and microorganisms and all the good things that are, that reside within that soil to make it a healthy, a healthy bed to grow plants and provide home for wildlife. Uh, so then the next book that came out, we actually had two books that came out with the South Dakota Beef Industry Council. We are currently working on book number three. The first book we did with them was Beef Strong, which talks about sports nutrition and highlighting beef as a premier protein source for busy, active lifestyles and for athletes. And we've had a great a great time working with Olympic athletes. They've been going into the classroom and they read the books to the kids and they talk about their own nutrition routines and, and what they do to fuel their bodies as they're competing at the highest level. And, and so that's a lot of fun. The other book that we did with the Beef Industry Council was Roll, Spread, Sprinkle, Bake, which is a book about making beef pizzas with grandma. And so one of the things I really got to thinking about during the pandemic was the fact that so many people, instead of going out to eat or being on the go and eating meals on the run, when their schedules cleared out, they were at home and they were cooking more, except nobody knows how to cook anymore. And so one of the things that we were doing during that time is my kids and I were making kid-friendly recipes uh, via videos that we were posting on Facebook and Instagram to try to give families ideas of how to cook with beef while they were at home. And so that this book was inspired by that, of trying to get families back in the kitchen and making foods from scratch. There's pizza recipes in the back of the book, and it is a lot of fun. Another book that we came out with is titled C is for Care. We partnered with Zoetis on that one, and it talks about animal husbandry and stewardship, taking for care of the animals, whether that's you know, carrying one in out of a snowbank in the middle of calving season, having a bottle calf, doing herd checks with your veterinarian and everything in between. That has been hands down one of our best top selling books. It's probably because of the beautiful illustrations, quite honestly, in the book. There's so many tender moments between the humans and the animals in that story. It's a really fun, easy read in a poem format uh, for short attention spans and little kids. And there's some fun activities in the back of the book, too. So that one is a great bestseller that I encourage you to check out if you haven't. And then the final book is a real passion project of mine. And 
I don't have near enough time to do it justice. So we'll have to do a second part to talk about the nonprofit organization that is tied with this book. But it's titled Faith, Family, Freedom. And as you can imagine, we're probably not going to get invited to too many schools <laughs> to read that one. But Michelle and I felt so strongly about bringing that book to the public. We, instead of working with a third-party client, we asked to crowdsource for sponsors of that book on social media. And the response was overwhelming. And Michelle created the most beautiful patriotic images highlighting the sanctity of life, our men and women who serve this country, who keep us free, uh, families going to church and going to parades and honoring our first responders. It is a really beautiful, heartfelt story that I encourage you all to check out. And for me, it's a very personal thing. It was uh, dedicated to a dear friend of mine that I lost during COVID, Vietnam War veteran, Kansas cowboy, Bill Brody. And uh, uh, Bill, if you don't know his story, we're going to have a whole episode on Bill because he truly is and was and will always be what the heart of rural America is all about. But Bill Brody inspired me. He became a bonus grandpa to me and basically a walking hero on earth to me. He started the All-American Beef Battalion, an organization that seeks to thank the troops for their service. And the best way this Kansas cowboy knows how to say thank you is with a ribeye steak. And since 2007, when him and his team got started, they've served over half a million ribeyes with all the fixings to the troops and their families as a way to say thank you. So you can learn more about them at stakesfortroops.com. But the reason I share that is not only because the book is dedicated to Bill, but also because a dollar of every book sold on amandaradke.com is donated back to that organization. I also have Superior Steak Seasoning that's made from All-American Beef Battalion volunteer John Fort. And I have that seasoning available on the website as well. And a dollar from every seasoning sold goes back to the beef battalion. So it's a great way to say thank you to the troops. And I always say, wouldn't you buy a soldier a steak? I sure would. Um, so thank you to all of our military men and women who fight so hard to keep us free and sacrifice so much. We are forever grateful. And that is the theme of that book. And with one minute left in the show, I guess I just want to share that, you know, we can really... We can really get in the weeds, you know, fighting about egg policy and some of the threats that are facing our industry today. But one of the most meaningful, impactful, and positive ways that we can move the needle in a, in a forward-moving direction and impact multiple generations is by sharing agricultural stories with young people. So volunteer, get in a classroom. The kids will be heading back to school very soon. And I know the teachers would love and welcome you into the classroom to read some of these stories to the kids. It's a great way to introduce agriculture and who we are to our local communities. And it's a positive touch point that these kids will remember. And I've got a lot of funny stories from on the road and I'll end with this one. I've read these books from everywhere, from New York City to Los Angeles and everywhere in between. But probably one of my favorite stories is I was in California and I always ask the kids for questions. And most of the time, I'm the first rancher these people, these kids have ever met, as well as some of the teachers too. And the first kid gets up and she says, so Amanda, how does the baby calf get out of the mama cow? And I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't know if I can tell you the birds and the bees today, but I, I said, you guys all know what a boy cow and girl cow are called? And they said, no. And I said, well, we talked about bulls and heifers. And then I said, go tell your parents the rest. Ask your parents the rest. And so I laugh. I I doubt I'll get invited to that school again because of the conversations that are going to be had when those kids got home from that the day the South Dakota cowgirl visited their school. But uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, these kids are genuinely curious about where their food comes from. And so what a delight it is to be able to share those stories in the classroom and with our own children. So you can check out the books at amandaradke.com. And if you have a favorite story, I would love to hear which one is your favorite and uh, give me some feedback. Uh, what should my next book be about? I'd love to hear your ideas of what misconceptions need to be addressed to our young people in elementary schools. So that's all for now. We'll see you along the dusty trail. Take care. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radke Land and Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the Heart of Roll America.